Hey you guys, so today we're gonna to be talking about how to be empathetic in 10 truly effective steps. Um, this is going to be one of my favorite discussions to have. I love talking about feelings and empathy and emotional intelligence, so I'm really excited to dive into this one. It is going to be, um, I guess, like an updated uh, version of the previous podcast episode that I recorded on this topic, How to Be Empathetic, um, but it's also a blog post that I recently wrote as well, so I'm going to include that link in the description as well. All right, so I don't know if you guys consider yourselves to be empathetic people or not. Um, me personally, I do feel like I have empathetic tendencies. Like I feel like that's something that comes relatively easy for me. But even so, that's not to say that I don't uh, struggle in having to be intentional about that every once in a while. Yeah, sometimes empathy comes easily, but there's other times when it doesn't. Um, doesn't come easily or doesn't come at all. And I feel like whether or not this is something um, that we feel skilled with, there's, there's something in here for everybody. Um, so empathy is being able to sense other people's emotions um, by putting yourself in their shoes. I almost want to say that it, it's like a deeper level of sympathy. It goes a little bit deeper than just feeling pity for someone or feeling compassionate for someone's situation. It involves um, really relating to them in their position as if as if you could imagine like truly and accurately what it would be like to be in their shoes. So I always say if you're wanting to be empathetic, I feel like that's one of the unsaid first steps in this whole thing. Um, sometimes we say that we want to understand. Sometimes we say that we do understand without fully uh, comprehending that there is a underlying decision that has to be made to make an effort toward that goal. So when you're trying to learn how to be empathetic, you're trying to understand and share the feelings of another person. And so I think that's a really good place to start. Um, now, I guess I want to put a little caveat or disclaimer before I get um, into the actual tips and stuff. But it's very easy for us to be empathetic and compassionate toward people when we've been in their place before. So if we've dealt with breakups, if we've dealt with exam anxiety, um, if we've dealt with feelings of um, rejection or jealousy or literally anything else, if we're not healthy versions of ourselves and we're not taking advantage of the opportunities that we have to check our heart, um, when we're in the middle of a conversation with someone addressing a particular circumstance, it's very easy um, to you know, let the unhealed parts come out. So uh, bitterness, jealousy, anger, selfishness, all those things can kind of be underlying motives. And so I'm just going to throw myself under the bus really quick to give an example of what I mean when I say that, because I know it, it could seem kind of vague, but um, those closest to me and who have known me for years know that I have a really, really, really 
strong passion to see women empowered in a bunch of different domains of life, whether that's at home, in ministry, or anything else really. Like I've always had um, that drive because I feel like I see the value that women bring to the table and I see what they contribute that is in some ways different than what men contribute. Um, They bring, you know, different strategies, different perspectives. They have different strengths. And the people that I've had discussions about this topic with, like friends and family, um, they know that I get passionate. Um, And I get very, um, I almost feel like I take on a very aggressive attitude toward it sometimes when I feel like a woman has been uh, underestimated or overlooked or overshadowed or silenced like for some reason that really gets under my skin and I don't know why I'm like that Um, but even for me personally like I am able to strongly identify um, with women in those positions because I've been there myself and I've noticed that even when I'm communicating about the issue or communicating to someone who's going through that, if I don't check myself and I don't make sure that whatever it is that I'm saying is coming from a healthy and whole place, it's actually going to turn out to be a bit more toxic. And honestly, it takes the focus off of the other person and what their experience is. And it, you know, it's a little bit more, uh, it's just like a more selfish perspective. Like it doesn't turn out to be about the other person. It just ends up being about you and what you went through. Um, And so I feel like it's really important to be cognizant of that. The health of your heart will always, always matter. And remind yourself often with a lot of things to think about yourself less and consider the other person more. I remember this quote by Chris Valentin, which I, man, I really wish I shared it in this post, but uh, it's a quote that says, um, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And humility can apply to like a whole bunch of conversations we'd have about personal growth. But um, when you're focusing on your growth journey and specifically trying to learn how to be more empathetic, you're going to notice, of course, that it's easier to empathize with people you relate to, who you have similar situations with, or, you know, who process emotions or think the same way as you do. And, you know, I'm going to mention later, but common ground is always going to provide you an advantage. And, and whether it's for good or bad, it is going to allow for some authority on the issue as well. So I would urge all of us um, to try to expand our reach to include relating to people who are different than us. And it's really, really hard. Like having conversations with people who see the world differently and even just like think differently like that is that is a task that takes a lot of work and I don't feel like a lot of people are always aware of that you know um to be empathetic it it is a trait to an extent but it's also a skill so it's something that everyone can grow in it's something that everyone can learn to develop so Without further ado, we're going to talk about the 10 steps that I recommend that I think can help 
everyone be more empathetic. So my number one tip is to listen more and talk less. And this kind of includes that humility that we were talking about. Um, I feel like this is one of the most um, essential steps in being an empathetic person. If your aim is to understand, you're going to need to listen and listen objectively and listen carefully. Um, I don't know if anyone else can relate to this tendency, but sometimes when I'm listening to other people in a conversation, um, when they're telling me stuff, I think very deeply about what they're saying. And that kind of helps me with my intuition, but I'm not always accurate. So sometimes when I'm listening, I'm listening and asking, okay, like, what's the motive for this? Where is this coming from? Um, and I think sometimes um, it's very possible to make something simple more complicated by not listening objectively. So allow yourself to just be a sounding board. Uh, try to limit how often you respond. Don't listen to necessarily fix the problem or fix a situation. And like for me in particular, don't listen um, to what they say while forming theories about what they didn't say, you know? Um, make the other person a priority in the conversation by being available. Know when to talk and when to listen. That's a really, really big one. Um, number two is to be a safe space. And this is where our judgments and our thoughts and our ideologies come in. Um, but for example, if you have a conversation with someone who's um, wrestling with really tough emotions um, and emotions that are hard to communicate, emotions that are hard to understand, emotions like grief, sadness, um, anger, bitterness, jealousy, um, like those are those are tough emotions and sometimes they're hard to communicate because they, they don't always make sense. They're not always justified. So when I say be a safe space, I mean to try to take some time to think about what the other person might need in the conversation. Like what do they need? What do they want to walk away with? Um, many times if a close friend is confiding in you and if you're sensing that they're really sensitive or really vulnerable with what they're sharing with you, they need to know that they feel safe. They need to know that they can trust you. They need to know that they can speak in confidence, like that it's going to stay between you guys. And they'll also need to know that they don't have to worry about you judging them. And that's not to say that you can't still hold them accountable, but you need to learn how to maintain a healthy balance where you can be a safe space. You can be there with them where they are, but you can still be a good friend, you know, and keep them on a nice, healthy path. Um, if someone feels safe with you, um, one, like one measure you're going to be able to notice is that they'll feel like they can open up to you authentically without filtering what they're saying or doing or thinking or feeling. And they don't necessarily have to worry about if what they're saying is right or wrong. They're just saying, look, 
this is how it is. This is what I'm going through. This is how I've reacted. And it's really important for you to just allow them that moment. Don't judge them. Just be there for them. And it's all about timing. When the time is right, um, you can decide to tell them what they need to hear. Um, tip number three is to be observant. Um, I'm going to share a story that I also shared in the blog post. Um, this is kind of funny, but I remember one time uh, my siblings and I recorded a video for our mom, and this was after my stepdad passed away. Uh, and I was kind of embarrassed about like how similar our mannerisms are, like our facial expressions, our tone of voice, like it's it's really weird because I know this was something that was very uh, tough for us. It was emotionally taxing, um, but we didn't show a lot of expressions on our faces. And that's kind of like a habit anytime that we're mad. Like if you start sensing that um, we're mad and you can read that from our body language, it's probably because like we're past mad and we're just furious at this point. <laughs> so um, like in general with like day-to-day -day stuff, we don't have strong um, frowns when we're angry and our faces don't, uh, crinkle up. We don't turn into babies when we cry. Like it just like, you'll just, we'll have like a super numb face and then you'll just see tears coming down. Cause we're, I don't know why we are the way we are, but it was just crazy to see like our tones of voice are very similar monotone and we can be like so passionate and feel something so tenderly, but what comes out and what people see is a very even, um, what's that word? A very even countenance, like a facial expression. I'm sorry, guys. I use big words. Um, so knowing who you're talking to and knowing the person well definitely comes into play. Because, for example, with that particular instance, like if someone did not truly know us, they can make assumptions about the kind of body language that we were portraying. Or, you know, they they could read the tone of our voice and say, wow, like, it seems like nothing bothers them. Like, they don't seem excited. They don't seem passionate. Or, you know, like, they could come up with any other uh, judgment about that. Um, but me personally, like, because I know my siblings well, I'm able to gauge their emotions more accurately. Like, I not only are we similar in those ways, but you know, I know them. So if you're practicing empathy with someone you don't know very well, it's important to be intentional about, you know, observing them. Like, what are they like when they're happy? What are they like when they're sad? What are they like when they're getting frustrated? Um, and try to be objective and observant. Um, Sometimes it does involve noticing facial expressions, their body language, the tone of their voice, but it also involves like knowing what's normal for them, you know. Um, I actually recommend practicing being observant with people that you're closest to, like friends and family, because the better you know someone, um, the more likely you'll be able to tell when something is off. And I remember when, I mean, there were a couple occasions where I almost felt um, like I was 
put off guard a bit because I really could sense that the other person was being observant toward me. <laughs> um, one time, it was kind of funny, I didn't mention this in the blog, but I remember it was right after a Sunday service and um, my brother-in-law at the time uh, asked me, hey, how are you doing? Um, it's such a simple question, but the way he made eye contact with me was like, oh, wow, like, first off, he's actually asking. He's actually noticing. Like, I can tell he was being very, very observant. Um, and that same person, uh, several years later, I think, or several years earlier, I don't know. Guys, I really suck with time. I'm so sorry. Um, but I remember sharing some of my struggles uh, with burnout with a group of friends. There were like six of us. Um, I had been working full time and going to school full time for a little bit over a year. And I had never really talked to all of them about how hard that process was for me. Um, I remember one time in that season, I was so exhausted and so tired that I was, I literally remember all the lights were off. I was about to get ready to go into work, um, that night. And I was literally just crying like a baby. Cause I was just like, I am so tired. Like, you know how babies cry for things they need, like comfort and food and sleep. Like it was one of those, like I was that exhausted. Um, so when I was talking to them, I remember sitting on the couch and I shared my thoughts and my experiences and my feelings and everything. And I felt like I was relatively composed. Like I, I didn't cry. I, I did not feel my facial expressions fluctuate much. Like for me, which I'd be very interested to hear if there are other people like this in the world. But for me, if my face changes even a fraction, I feel like I'm super, super aware of that. Like, especially recently, this is kind of like a bunny trail. I'm so sorry. But especially recently, like I feel like I've been very sensitive and it happens very quickly like something just kind of like tugs at my heart and it's like immediately I'm broken for a second um so I think it's because I've been experiencing those emotions so quickly that like my face breaks and anyway all that to say I didn't feel my face giving me away in that moment and I ended up saying like toward the end like wrapping everything up like this whole thing has been really hard for me because, and I probably like said that out loud because I don't think anyone would have been able to tell looking at me in that moment. Um, and I'll never forget, like he was one of the friends in our group who said, he's like, yeah, I can tell. Um, like as you were talking, your chest was getting red. And in that moment, like I was like, wait, you're telling me like this was obvious? Like I had no idea. Because normally it's not obvious. And I think back on it now and I laugh to myself because I remember all the time in high school, this was one of the like main ways that I would always be able to tell that my sister was like pissed off, either pissed off or like deeply hurt. Because um, even if her face didn't get red, her chest would get red. And I just laughed at myself because I'm like, wow, like we are all, we are all the same like we have different tells and when you know someone it's just obvious anyway so that's that tip number four 
is not to make assumptions. And I feel like this is this is one of the things that always gets in the way. And I know that it's not just for me. Um, for me, I have to like, sometimes I actually have to tell myself not to psychoanalyze other people. Like I said, sometimes I, I do feel like it's a strength of mine because like I've had multiple occasions where I have a conversation with someone and I'm sensing like underlying motives that are at play that the other person is not aware of. And then days later, weeks later, they tell me exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, ha, I was right. Okay. So, but there are some times that I'm wrong though. And I don't always take that into account. So if you're anything like me, try not to psychoanalyze other people, especially other people that you don't know as well. So not unless you can 100% confidently say that you know them enough to know how they think and how they feel, which is very rarely, okay? Because, I mean, when can we ever do that? All right. Um, making assumptions about a person is one thing. Like, that's already on a road to nowhere. But making assumptions and then sharing those assumptions with the other person in a vulnerable moment, especially when you're wrong can actually create more distance. And I say that because in that moment, you know, like when they're very sensitive about whatever it is that they're going through, if you make an assumption about them and you're wrong, it's actually going to end up saying a lot more about you than it's going to say about them. Okay. You might want to take that in for a second. Um, so it's going to create more distance. Either they're not going to feel like they can talk to you about that subject again, or if they're in a super, super sensitive spot, they're just going to shut you out a bit. Like they're going to feel like they can't trust you. And that is something that's actually happened to me a couple times. Um, I was, uh, I, I'm very vocal about the fact that I'm going through stuff, but um, I was navigating going through my situation in a healthy way. And I remember um, just doing things to prepare myself and preserve myself at the same time um, while still maintaining faith in the middle. It's a very, very complicated thing to do. And I remember that one time um, I had a very close friend say, oh, like you're doing this because you're basically preparing for the worst. And for me in that time period could not have been further from the truth um and then i've had like other occasions where, and i'm saying this so that like you i'm saying this so that you understand what it's like to be on both ends what it's like to make the assumption and then what it's like to receive that assumption on the other side so i think this is something that like a lot of people can relate to like if if we're I mean, life gives us plenty of opportunities to deal with difficult things. So if you've ever felt that you were doing the best you could with what you knew to do, if you ever felt like you, like you were giving all your effort, all your energy, um, and all your, you know, all your strength toward a goal or a mission or toward some kind of outcome or whatever, if someone made an assumption about what you were sharing about your thoughts or your experiences or your feelings especially at the wrong time and they said well you know what even though you think that you were giving a hundred percent on the outside it didn't look like you were doing much it looked like 
maybe 10% or it just looks like you didn't really fight at all. Like that could be really tough for somebody to hear. Um, and obviously there's a bunch of examples I could give, but let's just move on. Don't make assumptions. That's the point. Being on the receiving end of that sucks. Don't do it. Okay. Number five, search for common ground. Okay. So like I mentioned before, um, having things in common with another person you're trying to empathize with gives you the advantage to grow in that particular area. Okay. It doesn't only ever have to do with the subject you guys are talking about. Like if someone's talking about something that you've never gone through yourself, you don't have to dismiss it and say, there's no way I can empathize with this because I haven't been through that. Um, Yes, obviously, sometimes going through the same things is common ground, but you can also search for different things that you guys have in common. So it could be that you understand the way that someone feels like you don't know what it's like to go through what they went through, but the feelings that they're expressing, like, even though it's not in that particular circumstance, you've had that feeling before in this area or maybe there's something about the way a person expresses themselves that resonates with you um like thoughts they've had or like the thought pattern that they share like search for those little moments in the conversation and then use that common ground to build you know connections tip number six is a super super easy one and it's just to ask questions Um, a lot of times when we're trying to be there for someone who's going through tough stuff, like for example, if you're trying to comfort someone who's lost someone, it can almost feel awkward to try to be there for them because there's, there's nothing to be done. There's nothing you can do to fix it or resolve it. Um, and sometimes there's nothing you can say that's going to make it better. And I think a lot of the times we know that and we're aware of that and that kind of isolates us in a sense um like I think we all have this underlying thought that we have to have the answers we have to know how to do the right thing or the perfect thing we think that we have to have you know solutions to a bunch of problems know what to do what to say all that stuff let me just take that weight off your shoulder and let you know that you don't have to know how to do anything or everything And do you want to know why? I'm going to give you a second. Okay, it's because it's not about you, you know? So when you focus your attention on the other person, and if you're uncertain about how best to be there for them, you can just ask them. You know, common culture wants us to feel guilty about having to ask, you know, or like adding a mental load by asking how to help. But, you know, like, especially if it's a special circumstance and not a a daily, everyday thing, it's totally okay to ask questions, especially if it's something you've never done before. And especially if it's like a first step, ask them how they're feeling, ask them how you can help or what they need. And if you're ever in doubt, um, I'd say just look for opportunities to express love. And I don't know if you're familiar with the love languages, but acts of service, words of affirmation, um, you know, giving hugs. Hugs are always nice. Um, 
gift giving, quality time, like all those little things can make a really big difference. All right, number seven, we're almost there. Okay, so when you don't understand, and I guarantee you that will happen at some point, ask deep level questions. So I'm going to give examples of what that might look like. Number one, can you describe how you're feeling? Can you describe your thoughts or the way you thought about this situation? How did your experience change throughout that whole process? Did you recognize what was happening to you internally while you were dealing with this thing? What details about the situation do you remember clearly? Which details don't you remember so much? If you could go back, what's something that you would do over? Or, you know, we can always play the nice little fun toddler act and just ask why. You know, like if someone's saying, I feel jealous, ask them why. And then they'll say, oh, I feel jealous because of this. And then you can say, what about that made you envious of that? Or what is happening? What's not happening? What do you feel like you're not getting? You know what I mean? I'm just I'm trying to give give an example. Okay, step number eight. Consider the avenue of empathy that works best for you. So basically, if you can't understand someone's feelings, then try to understand their thoughts. If you can't understand their thoughts, try to understand their feelings. If you can't understand either of those things, their thoughts or their feelings, try to understand, you know, what it's like to go through what they're going through, like their circumstance or something. Like look for the way that works best for you to relate to other people and use that to your advantage. Number nine is to be present. There's a certain amount of wisdom that comes into learning how to be empathetic. And sometimes, this is going to sound so ironic, (laughs) sometimes in order to empathize, there's actually no need for understanding. So if, if someone's actually dealing with tough stuff, maybe it's not so much about rehashing everything and dissecting everything that happened, what happened when and where that made everything go wrong. Like, Maybe it's not even about asking tons of questions. Maybe it's just more about you being there for someone. You know, I kind of like that might just be one of my favorite tips. You know, tip number nine, be present for all the overthinkers and overanalyzers out there. All right. And the final tip, which is kind of obvious, and I'm pretty sure I've said it multiple times in this conversation, but put yourself in the other person's shoes. Okay, so sometimes when you're looking in from the outside, empathy becomes that much harder to achieve. So one of the most go-to ways that we're familiar with is to ask yourself, okay, how would I have felt or how would I have behaved or what would I have thought if I was going through this situation? Like if I was this person dealing with what they're dealing with, what would I do? You know, and is it fully guaranteed that I would you know, think and feel in the most idealistic way, you know, that's a nice place to start. Um, 
I think that's pretty much it. So I hope you guys like this one. I was really, really trying to make it short because, uh, you know, 40 minutes, that's a long time. Um, let me know. Let me know what you guys think. And I hope that this helps. <laughs>